Hey guys, thanks for listening. Uh, just a quick heads up before we get started. You might hear some rustling or um, or shuffling or, or clicks and pops happening when uh, my co-host is speaking, and that's because his mustache actually gained sentience during the recording of this podcast. So um, just hang in there with us. We're going to try to get this sorted out next episode. But um, until then, enjoy. stand and i stand corrected uh today's episode we're going to be talking about the third film in the franchise i mean if you can't tell by my voice and the tremors in it uh the excitement that i feel is immense this is really where the franchise gets back on track i mean most fans agree that january boys 2 was a letdown in many ways, certainly the most controversial installment. And uh, this episode, January Boys 3, Back from the Brink, you know, really gets it back to what makes January Boys special. And uh, a big part of that is Joe Biden returning to his role as himself. The title definitely encapsulates how fans felt about it. I think that the introduction of Liam Neeson as a villain really played a big part in it as well. Uh, who directed this one? This was directed by Joe Carnahan, who some people may know from his films The Grey and The A-Team, which both starred Liam Neeson. So uh, he was actually shooting The A-Team film at the same time that January Boys 3 was being shot. So he would actually uh, just kind of carpool with Neeson uh, in a tank that they already had uh, for that set, over to the set mm. of January Boys. But before we get to talking about the actual plot and sort of diving into our feelings about the movie, let's go over and get a word from our sponsor. Your skin is more effective than a smile. The unique pump dispenser means you're on your man. Introducing the strongest tissue around. Spice high dimensional tissues. Not just gentle gentler spice high by alpha sheep and we're back okay so how did you feel the first time you saw the third movie i felt elated i mean ugh, I, I i had so many issues with january boys too uh you did as well it was difficult for me to kind of accept that that this franchise that I love so deeply has had kind of morphed into something else. And January boys three, uh, used this kind of idea of, uh, the action movie format to propel it into this other direction. And I loved having, uh, Liam Neeson as the villain, Dr. Clench meat hook. Yeah, definitely was a huge fan of Dr. Clench meat hook, new principal in school. Um, I was not a fan. I, we didn't talk about it really in the other episode, but they do break up at the end of the second movie. A lot of people didn't really realize that it happened because, as per Zack Snyder's directing style, it was filmed in slow motion, 
and so was the dialogue. Again, there were several scenes that the audio was also slow motion. Yeah, once we did figure out that they had broken up, fans were, you know, upset, which is not not an unusual response. It was an uproar. I mean, the love story between Joe Biden and Jeb Bush was the heart of the first one and the thing that built the entire franchise, really. And then to go back on that and kind of seem like you're hiding it from the fans uh, was upsetting. Yeah. And, and this film really just kind of dives into covering that ground real quick. Uh, and you can tell it's going to be a, a much faster-paced movie than the second one by the way it just starts off literally mid-punch. Yeah, it does open literally with Joe Biden's fist in uh, Josh Gad's face, actually, um, who Josh Gad plays Bobby Stein McKenzie, uh, nicknamed Slappy. Uh, and Slappy is a sort of a fresh-faced freshman who I guess has been talking smack about Joe, who's kind of been like, I'm going to be the new Rooster Man. This guy's had his day, you know? And, um, yeah, that fight goes on for a full 15 minutes. And you're riveted the whole time, though, the way uh, Carnahan directs the camera angles and the sound effects. You really feel the crunch of bone and the visceral fight, you know, that's happening. And I think... Somehow I knew that it was related to Joe's unresolved feelings for Jeb. Uh, like, just the way he fought. You know, the tenacity. The tears in his eyes. It made the fight have a lot more emotional weight. Yeah, definitely. Um, the way he uses uh, leftover Valentines as, you know, throwing stars that he still has in his locker. Um, the way he uses throwing stars as leftover Valentines later in the film. Oh, great thematic resonance. I love how they did that. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, that fight, of course, is broken up by Dr. Meat Hook, so... Yeah, as, you know, the school needed a new principal after all the things that have been happening, and at first you think that Dr. Clinch Meat Hook is really going to bring something new to the school. In fact, he tries to sort of become a, another kind of foster father figure t for Joe for a while. He's kind of, like, trying to groom him as... An apprentice of sorts. Right. Well, Dr. Meathook has a PhD in child development and a master's in um, actually literature. So, but yeah, Dr. Meathook, very interesting, very complex character. Liam Neeson brings a lot to the table with this uh, sort of gritty but fatherly figure. Yeah, I... The thing was, I, I hated Dr. Meathook, but I loved him at the same time. And I think that's... Those, that's those st same struggles that Joe goes through on a daily basis, really. I think that's intentional to sort of bring you back to the first film, you know, the way we hated but loved the principal there. Yeah, it's similar themes, but damn it, they work. Yeah. Joe is almost sort of more the protagonist, especially for the beginning of the film. It's kind of his journey, and uh, Jeb is like, the, the object of his obsession, his unresolved feelings, and uh, Jeb seems to be dealing with the breakup better, um, at, at first sight, anyway. Yeah, he is dating um, Treasure Weekly, played by Scarlett Johansson, the uh, ace reporter for the school newspaper, the fly on the wall. So, 
you know, he's laughing and smiling and yucking it up and talking about journalism. And we all know how Jeb Bush loves the press. Famously uh, affectionate towards them. He greets every member of it with a hug. The entire Bush family actually loves the press. Um, There's never been a Bush that didn't like a reporter. And the same goes for a reporter that didn't like Bushes. They just don't exist. That very concept has spawned a entire genre of online fan fiction. Yeah, my favorite is probably the Washington Posts. Great work. The Posts is a pun because of dicks. So Jeb has joined the newspaper, and that's how he met Treasure. And this is their senior year. It's graduation year, so there's a lot on the line in terms of are they going to graduate? Of course Jeb is, but Joe? Who knows? I mean, he's been a little bit of a a layabout, a little bit of a, a, you know, bad student is, I guess, what you would say. But he was too busy living life on the edge to live life in with his nose in the book, as he says in his famous monologue. It's more of a soliloquy. And it causes a lot of tension between him and his lamprey dad. And uh, father figures are a big issue for Joe throughout this, and he's kind of drawn between trying to accomplish something that will make his lamprey dad proud, or maybe following in the footsteps of Dr. Clinch Meathook, who's who's been trying to uh, recruit him for purposes that are unspecified at the beginning, but he seems, there seems to be something sinister going on. But who would believe that about someone named Clinch Meathook? It's the most trustworthy of names. Yeah, I really think that they picked Clench as a first name for Dr. Meathook because it is the most trustworthy name you can find in the English naming dictionary. Um, Right after Jonathan and Jean-Luc. But sure enough, Jeb and Treasure get a scoop, you know. Yeah, they're lurking like reporters do. If you see a reporter and they're not lurking, they're not doing their job correctly. So... Of course, there's a lurking 101 as part of getting your journalism degree, and they are adept. You'd, you'd even say that Scarlett Johansson plays a reporter almost too well with how well she lurks in this movie. So they're lurking, and they, they overhear a conversation uh, between Dr. Meathook and what seems to be, you know, an innocuous company. Literally called innocuous company. Yeah, um, Innocuous Company Limited, later on, we find out, uh, turns out to be, spoilers, a Bosnian spy organization, a Bosnian super spy organization called Kaput. Exactly, and and Dr. Clinch Meathook is attempting to sell the school to this company. And that's just not going to fly for Jeb. Jeb clenches his teeth, rolls his R's, and says... Really? And pops out from behind a desk. And uh, again, Hannibal Burris's intensity gives the line a lot more than I could give it, just in a sort of a cold read like that. But Hannibal Burris, very intense dude. Yeah, and th- this is another of the great fight scenes in this sequence. It's re- I say fight, but it's almost more of an escape scene because it quickly turns... On Jeb. Uh, he, he throws a magnifying glass at Dr. Clinch Meathook, but it is easily overpowered and then has to escape through a ventilation shaft. 
Yeah, um, amidst a flurry of bullets, which, I mean, there's a lot of debate about whether people should arm teachers in schools, and I say, I have nothing to say on the subject. But it's shot real, really tightly and intensely, and Jeb has to kind of slither, and the camera is, like, following Jeb as he kind of slithers through these vents. Uh, It turns out he's been training over the summer uh, and studying, actually, a bunch of, like, lizards and uh, lampreys, actually. And I think that's the lamprey element is part of his unresolved feelings for Joe. We think he's over it at the beginning, but there's... He's still that candle is still burning. Well, you know, Lamprey Biden does own a dojo and operate um, in the mountains of Montana, and so Jeb is feeling kind of awkward about the breakup and wants to make it up, but doesn't really know how. So he befriends Lamprey Biden again, played by Doug Jones, um, whose film The Shape of Water at, at the time of this recording just won an Oscar. So congratulations again, Doug Jones, and. Um, you know, good on you. Good on you. But beside that, um, Jeb is training underneath Lamprey Biden's kung fu tutelage. And we do get a couple of flashbacks to that. Uh, beautifully shot. And uh, it's like, snatch this tooth from my mouth, grasshopper. Except he doesn't say grasshopper. He actually doesn't say anything. He is a lamprey. He just communicates through his very expressive eyes and hands. The one notable thing about Joe Biden's lamprey dad is that he's the only lamprey with hands. Long story short, Jeb goes directly to Joe with this information, and they start trying to figure out how to save the school while still maybe getting credit as some sort of independent study for Joe so that he can have enough credits to graduate and go on to college. Yeah, well, the main problem, I think, is also that he they bring it up at one point but he doesn't have enough volunteer hours to graduate they do a whole sequence where joe just volunteers he volunteers at soup kitchens he volunteers cleaning up the roads he volunteers uh, taking old women out on lunches um you know just regular school volunteer stuff community garden exactly and at the end of this sequence, where you think he's finally gotten enough of these hours, he receives a ransom note from Clinch Meat Hook about that he has kidnapped his lamprey father. In the time it's taken Joe to accumulate these hours, Clinch has located his father and trapped him in a giant aquarium behind his throne in his secret base, which is below the school. Yeah, and... While this is going on, uh, there's some tension between Treasure Weekly and Jeb Bush. It's like, are you going to make the deadline? What do, what does our relationship mean? Will this go past graduation, or, or are you still goading over Joe Biden? You know, it's a very intense, uh, passionate romance. Um, all journalists are very passionate lovers, which is just a fact that everyone knows. And verified on film by... January Boys 3. I mean, you could look in the AP style book, and it's actually, if you turn to the back, the end right behind the glossary of terms is um, sort of a journalistic Kama Sutra. True, and Jeb, I think, does have genuine feelings for uh, treasure, but is it love? What is love? You know, is it sort of a feeling you get in your stomach? When you see a beautiful person walking by, is it sort of a a chemical reaction in your brain that 
makes you want to fuck really good? Is it sort of the sunset on a summer's evening, wrapping your hand around a hot dog as you watch the Dodgers play ball? Love is complicated, you know? And really, I guess, this movie goes to show that more than anything else. I mean, can you be in love with more than one person at a time? I sure can. And you can, too, if you buy my new book, I Love You, and You, and You. Um, on shelves now at Borders Bookstores and uh, underground in the sewers with the bookworm children. So we'll be plugging that as the series goes on and bring you some teasers. I learned everything I know from my journalism training. So you know it's good. Sorry, uh, just to get back on track, I, I, I apologize for such shameless plugging. But you don't have to. In my new book, I plug you, and you, and you. On shelves now at a Santa Cruz bookshop in Santa Cruz, California. It's actually in the lowest shelf if you go to the self-help section. You're just going to have to look underneath the self-help section. But ironically, you can't help yourself to it. You have to ask an employee. Anyway, back to the plot. So Joe has to save his lamprey dad, and he has to really make... He makes the decision that his lamprey father will always be his real father and he needs to make him proud and he could never be the kind of accomplice or evil apprentice that clench would want yeah despite dr meathook trying to take him under his wing and teach him the powers of sinister devotion and machiavellian tricks and sleight of hand and uh, parlor tricks and taking over people's minds with your mind Joe decides that, um, really, all he wants to do is be able to punch people in the face really hard, which is what his father has taught him is the best way to communicate all along. I mean, that's the way of karate, you know. That's what Lamprey Dad's taught him, and that's what's going to get him through this fight underground. While all of this is happening, the school is prepping for their big senior dance. Um, I'm really glad they brought the dance element back in, because, you know, the prom... For the first movie was such a big deal, uh, that first kiss, you know. Uh, how did you feel about it? I was so elated that that element was brought back in. I, it needed to be grounded back into this, into what made the first one brilliant. And it's a wonderful way to wrap up the uh, the romantic tension between Jeb and Joe, to wrap that up. Yeah, um, I love how it sort of unfolds, you know. Joe rushes in. To the dance, which is themed under the Tuscan slums, and um, he rushes in, he pushes past all of these people, and he pushes past them, and he gets in there, and he breaks up Treasure and Jeb, and Jeb goes, what are you doing? And, and Joe says, I love you. Also, my dad has been kidnapped. Also, I love you. And they kiss, and it's just as long and wet and wonderful as before. And Treasure is sort of just watching it awkwardly at first, then kind of getting into it, then feeling awkward again and a little shamey, but then recognizing the truth of Jeb and Joe's love. And she says, I'm okay with this. She actually asks them for an interview later to sort of, um, she takes pictures, you know, she the things reporters do, writes notes, takes pictures. Makes audio recordings. Yeah. 
So she does all of that while they're making out. Because they do go on for a long time. Like, like I get it, you know? Like, there's a lot of tension in the air, and there's, like, a lot of... They, they had to break it somehow. That is the one thing that really upset me about this film, is, like, I get it, you have to break the tension somehow, but your father's in trouble, Joe. And you're gonna spend a good five minutes tonguing Jeb Bush? Like, we we don't really need that. I mean, we do need it spiritually, but plot-wise, it sort of dragged. Yeah, it's a weak point in the writing, for sure. It pro- It's probably what cost us that Oscar win. It's basically what everybody cited when the Oscars came that year. They're like, hey, it's, it's great that it's nominated, but, um, you know, that making out scene, it's tensions mounting, folks. And it's like there's a hostage situation. This is irresponsible. Yeah, also the campaign wasn't very good. They, um... They just mailed glow sticks with hey written on them. That was it. They they mailed them to everyone in Hollywood. Well, there was that and Joe Biden would actually just actively kiss voting members of the Academy. Just as long and hard as he does Hannibal Burris in that scene. But that takes too long. You can only get through so many voting members when you have to kiss that long. Yeah, it's true. He only got to about half of them. And about only and only half of them uh, voted, and coincidentally, it was the half that he did kiss. So if he had gotten to the rest of them, maybe it would have worked. But you know, save that kissing for babies, you politician. Too little, too late. But in any event, they when it finally they are reunited and they're on the same page, and they go down below the school to fight Doctor Clench, Meat Hook, and and rescue. Joe Biden's lamprey dad. So they do that, and it's wonderful. That's, that's it. Yeah, yeah they basically yeah, they do it. that. They just do that. Yeah, um, he's mid monologue, and they're already like, "All right, Dad, get over here." And he just climbs out of the tank and walks over. It's it's odd. <laughs> I really feel like the writers were just like, "Yeah, we get it. They're gonna do it. Good guys triumph over bad guys, right?" Um, and then they walk out and. You know, Dr. Meathook finishes his monologue, looks around, and then the school explodes. It was pretty intense. Yeah. It's, uh, I didn't expect that. I kind of, I expected it, but I didn't expect it. He had his finger on the button the whole time, and when he looks around and sees that no one's there, he kind of opens his hands and goes, what? And that's, that was his own undoing. It's really just clumsiness. Yeah. It was, uh, an unfortunate accident, um... And the next scene is, of course, the graduation scene, which is my favorite. It, it, I mean, it's not just because it's the last scene. It's a lot of people are like, yeah, it's my favorite because after it, it ended. Because whatever, smartass, you can't love anything. I get it. Yeah, well, it's a beautifully shot scene, too. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's on top of a mountain, and they have the stage set up, and they're playing Pomp and Circumstance. And then, of course, they get to Joe Biden, record scratch, and it's Loka by Shakira. He walks out to... Loka by Shakira, because everyone knows Joe Biden, crazy, but we like it. And he keeps dancing this furious, uh, joyous dance for the entire length of the song. Yeah, he shows off his newly shaved head, he, like, high-fives a couple of people, he runs into the audience, confetti cannons shoot out of his chest. This is all during golden hour at the top of the mountain. Yeah, it's, it really is beautiful, um, 
the the mist is coming in just right during this whole thing so it's very tasteful when he rips off his his uh metallic pants and just dances around in a thong and this is all while dr clinch meat hook is watching because he is still the principal of the school he survived the explosion but he's rendered you know he's lost his arms and a couple of limbs and he's passing out diplomas with his teeth from from a little bucket that's placed to the side of him and he didn't lose his job despite accidentally blowing up the school because times are tough and, you know... It's hard to find good teachers. It really is, and he really does care about the kids in the long run. He did want to turn them into Bosnian super spies, but that's only because he really cared about betterment. It's explained later. You know, betterment of self, betterment of spirit, betterment of spy. It's a whole philosophy, and uh, it's interesting, but uh, we don't need to dig into it here. But it maybe on a future episode we'll get into the intricacies of that because it really does uh, warrant further viewing and kind of it had when I looked it up, it did change a little bit of how I viewed this installment of the movie. Yeah, I really want to dig into Doctor Clench Meat Hook's psyche uh, as much as possible because he is a very complicated person. Um. Anyway, after Joe comes out and does his whole dance through the entirety of Shakira's Loka, Jeb's up next on the roster, and he comes out, and he just... No music. No music. Silence. And he just says, please clap. And the audience explodes. They go nuts. Yeah, they just... It's amazing. They, they don't explode in the way the school explodes. They, they explode in the way, like, they applaud a lot. I'm... Maybe one person explodes. I, I wasn't really paying attention by that, and I was still taking in the majesty of Joe Biden's pelvic thrusts. That classic Jeb witticism wins the crowd over, and it's fantastic and furious. And even even Clinch Meat Hook is kind of miming clapping and chattering with his teeth because he cannot clap. He does whistle. He does whistle a lot, which I think is actually a signal, though, to the helicopter that swoops in and... Uh, and picks him up right there, yeah. Once that helicopter swoops in and picks him up, he he shouts back through his neck brace, This isn't over! It's never over! Education is an ongoing process. Yeah, which was actually a very touching speech. Um, they did choose him as the designated speech giver for their high school graduation, so I guess that kind of counted. Yeah, and he keeps shouting as the helicopter flies off into the distance. So if you act- and if you actually magnify the volume on the clip, you can hear a lot more of his speech as it as it leaves. Yeah, and it's very thought provoking, you know. Um, but yeah, he helicopters off into the distance, and then you know, it, sort of over the over the credits, Joe and Jeb will return in January Boys Four: Liquid Sleep, um, which they were filming at the same time. Um, which was pretty difficult on Liam Neeson's schedule, for sure. It's difficult, but they knew that they were going to rebirth this franchise and pull it in a, a bunch of new exciting directions. Yeah, um, and they knew that they were going to pull their actors in a bunch of new, exci- new and exciting directions as well. Sometimes they would actually just hook people up to a rack and stretch until they like, didn't have any kinks in their back anymore. Sometimes they just twist them into obscene, contorted shapes. And you can see that a lot more in the uh, the sixth movie, directed by David Lynch. But um, as far as January Boys 4 goes, we'll, we'll get to that in another episode. But January Boys 3, it really, it really does kind of 
bring the franchise back from the brink, as the title would imply. Uh, is there? Did you? Do you have any fond memories about opening night? Did you go to opening night? I know I did. I, I was right there, like midnight. I was not. I had. To, I was on the fence about it because I was so upset about the second one, and I was doubtful. Um, in the end, I just hacked into a mainframe and watched it via live satellite from the privacy of my own bunker. Mm-hmm. I learned everything I know about computers from uh, the character Serial Killer in um, Hackers. Yeah, so you know exactly what I'm talking about then. I do. And it stacks up and is realistic and possible. <laughs> exactly. Um, where are you now? Are you? Did you return back to your bunker, or should we not talk about this on... I've moved the bunker... I've relocated it. Uh, I think the investment in the burrowing mechanism is going to pay off because now I can move from site to site while remaining in my uh, undisclosed location. Yeah, I've been falling from this clifftop for about two weeks now, and it's just um, I haven't reached the bottom yet. I'm, I uh, Yeah, maybe I'll look for a branch or something because I've kind of changed my mind about the whole jumping thing. I'd look for that branch. I think if you're in the... If you're plummeting down the cliff i think you are there should be one coming up in uh, about five minutes oh well uh, maybe we should quit recording so i can keep an eye out for that branch don't want to miss it and have to wait for the next one in another two weeks maybe so uh if you pass that branch though you know just you know what just put out a whistle and one of my trained eagles will uh will will grab you but I, I, their talons are sharp so the branch might be more comfortable for you are they big enough that i can ride no, they're just going to have to, like, their, their talents will have to pierce your shoulders and, mm. and lift you up. But they'll get you back. They'll get you back up there. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll, I might do that. Um, yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening. Um, can't wait to hear your thoughts on the third film in the franchise. Again, tweet us at, at JanuaryPod on Twitter. Find us at www.JanuaryMen.com. Um, we are we do have a Facebook page that we have not updated ever and um, yeah again thanks so much for listening we're on iTunes SoundCloud Stitcher I think maybe tune in I can't really remember all the places we're on but you can probably find us if you just type in January men podcast um, anything you'd like to say before we leave keep loca in your heads and January in your hearts January Men is hosted by A.V. Eichenbaum and Davis Banta. Today's episode was brought to you by the letter C for clench, crazy, and computers. Today's music was Night Train by TRG Banks and, during the advertisement, Without You by Ketza. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends.